been some time since I actually shared this message that I'm going to share with you, but I, I think it's relevant. I think there's a lot of new people and everything, but um, teaching on Tabernacles is just, just a great time for me. I love it. Uh, I've personally experienced uh, Feast of Tabernacles. I have uh, witnessed tremendous things during Tabernacles, and it is an awesome time. Okay? Don't let the enemy rob you through distractions. Stay focused on Sukkot. You know, I just want to thank Tom and Will um, and, and some children for, for helping to put the sukkah up last night. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we, we had to get it up. We're running out of time. You know, when are we going to put the sukkah up, you know? So, so they were kind enough to, to do that. And so um, it's just exciting, you know. And so we're going to be getting palm branches. We're going to decorate it Monday night, and so uh, just uh, be reminded that if you'd like to come out with your family or by yourself or whatever, all ages, all groups, all sizes, all colors are welcome to come and decorate the sukkah Monday night at 5 p.m., okay? So we're going to look at tabernacles, past, present, and future. I'm telling you, this is life-changing. I don't want to listen to your flesh, your little bad attitudes. I'm going after your spirit today, Amen. I'm going after your spirit, okay, because we need to be at the right place at the right time, okay? So I want to break this down for you so that you have a plan, and the fun thing is we all get to do this together. So let's look at Tabernacles past, present, and future. The Lord has eight festivals for his people to celebrate. We can find this in Leviticus chapter 23. Verses 1 through 44. This might sound redundant, but the bottom line is that this is what it's about. I can't share on anything else. It has to be feast-oriented. Amen? It has to be feast-oriented. Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 44. Here we have the, the eight festivals, the eight feasts. How about the Sabbath? Let's look at Leviticus 23, 3. Once again, we're going to read... Scriptures together, public reading of Scriptures. What are the two reasons why we want to read the Scriptures together? Well, number one, you can't sleep and read the Scriptures at the same time. Number two, whatever we speak comes towards us. I'm telling you, you guys have been speaking a lot of things, but today we're going to speak the feast days. Okay? Let's read this verse together, Leviticus 23.3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Does everybody see that? In all your dwellings. Once again, that word convocation is mikra, M-I-Q-R-A. We are commanded to come together. It's not an option for the Sabbath the feast days, and even the new moon, you're commanded to come together. So, so how many of you know that if you know to do something and you don't do it, what's it called? Sin. So if you know you're supposed to come together and you have the opportunity to come together and you don't do it, you have what? You said it, not me. You've sinned. It's that simple. I'm telling you, this whole thing with the body of Christ and the in-gathering and, and, and just coming together as, as many body parts, and, and he's the head and we're the body, it's just really in my spirit right now. It's really important. It's not something to take lightly. Amen? 
Just like Mike was sharing about the person that wasn't properly dressed, they were thrown out of the wedding party, thrown out of the ceremony, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That means regrets. That's a Hebrew idiom for regrets. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is always regrets. It's when you gnash your teeth, oh, you don't want to do that. You don't have to do that. And where was that person taken? Into outer darkness, where there was no light. Now, here, are the, here we go. The spring feasts. Passover is Pesach, and then we have unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, which is, of course, Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. So we've already counted the Sabbath and these four spring feasts. That makes five feast days. Amen. Let's finish them up with the fall feasts. Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. Here we are, tomorrow night's Tabernacles. A new season, a new, a new chapter, amen? We will continue to rehearse the feast until Yeshua fulfills the fall feast. Once again, it's a rehearsal like today. It's a pep rally to get ready for tomorrow and for what's coming. This is a rehearsal. It's fun. It is. It's fun. It's exciting. So once again, I'm sharing the introduction here. We're going to be looking at tabernacles in the past, and this is what we're looking at. And here's a quote. There is something inside of us that wants to celebrate something. Amen? God's not a party pooper. God loves the pate. He invented the barbecue. How many of you love barbecue? Woohoo! Of course they're going to the temple. Can't you smell the barbecue? My wife loves barbecue. There's something inside of us that wants to celebrate something. People think in the Hebrews of the Christian faith or the Messianic movement, oh, all we have is liturgy. We don't have the spirit and we're dead. You ain't been to bait the healer, baby, because we're alive. And we're going to pate. Because God loves a party. Look at what he does for the prodigal son. He throws a pate. So if you're not partying, I don't know what church you're going to. You're going to the wrong church. It, it's just, it's so funny, you know. I'll get to the office early before Kathy on some rare occasions. And I sit at her desk and I have like a coffee and I put the phone up when she walks in. And then I play that song by Cool in the Gang. Celebrate. Celebrate good times. Come on. And so Kathy comes in with her stuff, you know, she does the little dance, because there's a celebration. i got to move on now. This is so important that you understand this. Listen, we are living at an age where they're trying to eliminate the whole theme of atonement. That you can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want, go in any bathroom you want. Come on, somebody, you can't do that. You're going to pay the price. So the feast days, including the Sabbath, show all of mankind two things. Number one, man has divine appointments to meet with his creator. This is a divine appointment today. The Sabbath, the Shabbat. Yahweh, we love you. We have come together to meet with you. For you to come and be an indwelling, inbreaking God. And to just lift up our spirits and let us trash the flesh, Father. Crucify it. And be renewed and restored and rejuvenated. Amen? Number two, they show the redemptive plan of the Creator 
for his creation. We know that as we move through the summer months, we're moving towards a harvest, a time of harvest, bringing in the last of the harvest, the fruit harvest. You already had the barley harvest. You already had the wheat harvest. Now we're moving into the fruit harvest, the figs, the olives, amen? The grapes. It's about gathering in the very thing that you worked so hard for. And this isn't about works for salvation. This is about your sanctification, what you're bringing in that process. I've given up this and that, and and I've walked in this new life, this new way. And that's what you bring to the Lord. That is, of course, your life, your offering. Amen? I'm going to tell all of you, I've worked hard to get to where I'm at today. I've worked hard to get to where I'm at today. It didn't come easy. It doesn't come easy. And I've noticed it gets harder. But he gives you the strength. He gives you the stamina. He gives you the Ruach HaKodesh to do it. Because he knows you can't take no more. Lord, I can't take no more. But he brings us to where he wants to bring us. You dance with the one who brought you. You do. I'll never forget how I became born again and had that Holy Spirit experience in my apartment with like wind and just... I mean, it was just in my apartment. It was incredible. Nobody knows where the wind comes and where it goes. It's a picture of a born-again person. Because that wind blew on your life and you were born again. I became born again. And then my friends the next day or the next week, they didn't have the wind blow on their life. They didn't understand the change. That's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. The only person that understands it is the one who experienced it, which is all that matters. Because truly a born-again experience is when God's spirit and your spirit meet. That's a born-again experience. It's not coming down the aisle because you don't want to go to hell. It's a real experience. So the Feast of Tabernacles is the final feast that is celebrated. Amen. Amen. The Feast of Tabernacles can be found in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. So once again, in the book of Leviticus, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. So brothers and sisters, listen to me. If you're celebrating the feasts, you walk with God. Come on now, somebody. You're walking with the Creator. So when I get all these things happening in my life, thank you, Holy Spirit, when I get all these distractions or these letdowns or these circumstances in my life that would try to take me away from the Sabbath or the feast days, I realize that is not of God. i got to fight my way through and make it and say, that's a priority. God is a priority. Numero uno, amen? Taco supremo. Amen? Come on, he's supreme. When my wife asked me, honey, what do you want from Taco Bell? I say, I want taco supreme. I don't say just bring a taco. I want supremo, numero uno, taco, el ito. This is what we do. We sell ourselves short, people. I'm telling you, you need to wake up. Everybody needs to wake up. You need to have some joy. You need to laugh because it, it's hilarious. You need to understand this. This ain't about hype or entertainment. I never feel like the worship's entertainment. It's, it's a worship. It's a sacrifice. 
Leviticus 23, 39. Let's read it together. Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. You're gathering in the fruit of the land. Amen? You know what's so disturbing and sad about this movement in a lot of ways? People don't even show up with an empty basket. They just don't even show up. Offering? I don't even have a basket. Offering? I'm not even going to be there. Went to a church conference. They're talking about leadership and all these things. And the number one thing they were talking about in leadership or to grow a church is that attendance is the number one problem. If you don't have good attendance and it's hit or miss, you're going to fail every time. You won't be successful. There's a kind of hush all over the room tonight. So the 15th day of the seventh month is actually going to be Monday. But the 14th day of Tishri is going to be Sunday night. So they're talking about the day, but the day begins in the evening. So there's no, you know, misconceptions here. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated in the seventh month on the 15th day for seven days. Notice I got on here October 16th in the eve to October 23rd in the eve. The day begins in the evening in the Hebrew calendar. Don't be too confused. Amen. That's just the way it is. It goes all the way back to Genesis and the story of creation. So here we go. Tabernacles in the past is to remember how God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and had them live in temporary shelters or booths while traveling in the wilderness. That's simple. Could we tell that story to our children? Not remember how they brought them out, but how he brought me out, us out, the Plummer family out. Because we can associate with the children of Israel. They had to live in temporary shelters or booths while traveling in the wilderness. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. Let's read it together. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Amen? I remember one time people get so funny about these scriptures and just so, so literal. They, they miss the whole point, you know. Oh, so, so let me ask you a question, Pastor Nick. It says you got to live in that booth for seven days. That's what you got to do. I says, you're not reading this correctly. Okay, first of all, I'm grafted in. I'm not a natural Israelite born. This is what people do. Being smart mouth. Oh, you got to live in that sukkah. Really? Really? And this is what we do. When we miss the whole point to build it, to remember it was a temporary dwelling place and how he brought us out, and we teach our children. Amen? This is what's so funny. Missing the point. If you're so wound up over these feast days and just anxious and, and just worried, and then you're not celebrating it properly. It should be fun. It should be fun. King Solomon dedicated the temple during tabernacles or Sukkot. Isn't that cool? What a great time to dedicate the temple. 
1 Kings 8, 2. Let's read it together. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. Continuing on in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Also, at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation, from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. So once again, you have the feast of Sukkot, of tabernacles. It lasts for seven days. Then at the close of that is the eighth great day. How many of you understand what I'm saying? <coughs> so that's what it's about. So here's the eighth great day. Let's read this together. In John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, here it is in the New Testament in reference to this. Here's what Yeshua says in regard to this eighth great day, concluding, of course, the, the Feast of Sukkot. Let's look. In the last day, the, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So here's the water libation. They take, right, they take the pitcher of water, and they're going to process with it. And they're having this processional, they're having this ceremony, and what Yeshua does is he doesn't knock the ceremony. He doesn't say they're doing it wrong. He uses it to draw attention to himself. Why was the water libation so important? It's because they were praying that the Lord would give them rain for their crops. Lord, bless us with rain. Early and latter rain. Some of you understand what I'm saying. You plant the crops, and then you need the rain for it to grow and to produce the fruit. So you need the early and you need the, the latter rain. Does everybody understand that? So here's what Yeshua is saying. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, you know, that's the, that's the void that we have in our life that we try to fill with all these bad habits and different things or soul ties or whatever it is. And Yeshua is simply saying, listen, I can fill that void. If you're thirsty, right? If you're hungry. And this is the thing that I've learned, that it's actually in a person. It's not in a formula or some kind of remedy or take two pills, but it's actually your remedy is in a person. Just like your blessing from God is usually going to come through a person. You wonder why, how come I don't have any blessings from God? Because you don't know anybody. You're waiting for FedEx to show up with a blessing. And he keeps driving by. Where's my blessing? It's in a person. The prophet Nehemiah played a big part in the restoration of not only the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but the Feast of Tabernacles as well. Do you know that those walls were rebuilt during the time of Teshuvah? Did you know that? So once again, King Solomon dedicates the temple at, at Sukkot. Pretty important, isn't it? David had all the supplies and everything. The son builds it, carrying on the vision. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. Let's read it. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Continuing on. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities 
and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. So they go into captivity, right? They lose everything. They come back, they gain everything. Come on now. Are some of you gaining something? Once you were far away, and now he's drawing you near, and now you're getting all this good stuff. Because nothing's changed. Even for Beit Tehillah. Amen? To make booths as it is written. Or sukkahs. Okay? Sukkot is plural. Sukkah is singular. Does everybody see what I'm saying? Look at Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Oh, isn't that the coolest thing? Don't be afraid of your God. Don't be afraid of your weaknesses and your faults that are holding you back. Embrace God for who he is. Amen? He loves you. He's madly in love with you. Do you know that you're not pursuing him? He's pursuing you. You just need to surrender. This is the thing that I've learned. Lord, I'm running after you. I'm running after you. I want to seek you. I want to find you. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm running after you. And I realized, wow, I got all worked up over this. All I got to do is surrender. He's there. I'm telling you, without the Lord, I could never be a husband, a father, or a pastor. I could never do this in my own power. There is not enough strength in me, not enough charisma to be able to do what I'm doing right now because he gets all the glory. He's the one that encourages me. Look at this, God with us. So we look at John 1.14, let's read it. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says it right here. He dwelt among us. In the Greek, this word dwelt is number 4637 in the Strong's Concordance. It's skenu, skenu, S-K-E-N-O-O, skenu. It means to tent or encamp, to occupy, to reside as God did in the tabernacle of old. But are you ready for this? I love this one. A symbol of protection and communion. Well, I don't think God has time for me. God is a spirit. I'm really in the flesh a lot and in the natural. I don't think God can spend time with me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Let me tell you something. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to protect you. He wants to have communion with you. What did Yeshua say in the Gospel of John when he was with his disciples after he was, of course, betrayed by Judas and Judas didn't get the bonus package? Because he broke the relationship off. He became a betrayer. Oh, and by the way, if you look at the, in, in context, in Matthew, I believe it's, it's 2410. And many shall be what? Offended, betray, and hate one another. Many shall be offended, betray, and hate. The connotation for that word betray is the same as Judas. Exactly the same. So what I want to submit to you is that if, if something's bothering you, if you have an offense, deal with it. Get over it. 
Don't let it turn into a Judas and then you hate somebody. We're there, people. We're there right now. The Bait of Satan is probably the number one book I would have you to read next to the Bible. Bar none, it's never changed in over 20 years. It's never changed. And that book is old and he's revised it. John Bevere, I'm telling you right now, if you had to go out and read one book, brothers and sisters, you read John Bevere's updated Bait of Satan, period. Because he was ahead of his time. But we're there, everybody. Look at what's happening in our government. Look what's happening in the church. Look what happens in the, in the sports or the entertainment industry. People get offended, they betray, and they hate one another within those confines. I love that, a symbol of protection and communion. So when I sit and I look at that Torah scroll, right, get this picture. This Torah scroll became flesh. This Torah scroll became a homo sapien called Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was the Word made flesh. He's not a Pauline epistle. The Torah took on flesh. So here comes Jesus, the walking Torah. And what do we do in ignorance? What does the church do in ignorance? Oh, that's been done away with. Really? So the Word was made flesh, but now we're going to do away with it. You know what Jesus did? He properly interpreted the Torah. If you ever want to know, how can I interpret the Torah? Read the Gospels. That what would Jesus do? Bracelet is, in, whoever made that is a genius. They're incredible. What would Jesus do? It, it's, it makes sense. I don't get perplexed. I just look at what Jesus would do. This is good stuff. That's the past of tabernacles. Amen? The Feast of Tabernacles should be celebrated today in the present time. If I could teach my pastor friends anything or the church anything, I would say celebrate the feasts. Boom. Right out of the gate, first thing, really and truly, because that's a stepping stone. That's a start that's not so intimidating, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. This is good stuff, and I get to give it to you. Look at Leviticus 23, 41. Let's read it. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. What part of forever don't you understand? Ceremonial laws are important. This is about a holiday. This is about a certain day. It never went away. It's like the Torah. The Torah has always been there. You just discovered the ancient path. It was always there. I'm going to take this path away and put a yellow brick road for a while. And Dorothy's going to find this for a little while. Then I'm going to take that yellow brick road. I'm going to put the ancient path back. And The Torah, hey, it's not the yellow brick road. It's the ancient path. No, it's always been there always been there. How about this? Paul told the church in Corinth to celebrate the feast of Passover. What if Paul wrote Beit Tehillah letter? Dear Beit Tehillah, hope you have the most enjoyable, successful Easter egg hunt you've ever had in your life. I like red. Color some red for me. No. Look what he says here. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. The good news is you don't have to go out and convert everybody. Just convert yourself. 
I got a burden just lifted off of me. I don't have to give anybody a revelation. I don't have to convert anybody to the Hebrews of the Christian faith because it's a lifestyle. He's writing Torah on minds and hearts. I get to do this. It's a joy. It's a joy. Look at this. He even likens the Corinthians as ye are unleavened. See, some of, thank you, Holy Spirit, some of you are looking at yourself in a very negative way. And you're really beating yourself up. You're calling yourself names and you're doing all these other things. And, and you need to start looking at yourself, I'm unleavened bread. Because the thing is, once you receive the redemption of the, of the blood of, of Yeshua, these seven days that are represented in unleavened bread, it, it, it means completion. We're trying to get the sin out now, amen? We're working on it. It's a process. But it's not complete. That's what we're working on. Let's look at this. The author of Hebrews encourages the believers to celebrate the Day of Atonement. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. I'm keeping this in context, and we're going to look at some verses. Look at Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, the author of Hebrews, I'm not going to argue over that, but what I'm saying is that, does it say to wash your body in pure water? So where do we get this from? Where do we get this ceremony from? We get it from Leviticus. The priest would, would wash his body. He would take this garment off, wash his body, and he would put on what? A new garment. And that's what the mikveh does. You take off an old garment when you come out of that water, and you put on a new garment. And the priests, of course, when they would service the tabernacle or the temple, would wash their hands and their feet before they even began. This is where you get the hand-washing cups among the Jewish people and the hand-washing prayers. How many of you that's okay to say a prayer and do the hand-washing cup? Amen? I got a hand-washing cup. I have a prayer that I do and wash my hands. Well, you're just imitating what the Bible says. It's a ceremony. How many of you know it doesn't hurt you? It helps you. See, we all have to develop some religious habits that are beneficial and inspiring and get rid of the bad habits. What if you just get up every day, first thing you do is put on a soap opera? How many of you know that's not a good idea? Right? I mean, I'm just saying, what are your habits when you start your day? Start to change them. Mix them up. Amen? This is good stuff. Hebrews 10.25 in context. Look at this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice some of you just felt like you're just beating yourself up and you're falling, you know, falling short. And, but he says to encourage one another, to exhort one another. As you see the day approaching. Another name or Hebrew idiom for the day of atonement. Yes, could we look at this in context and say, well, this could be the day of the Lord, amen? But the day is also referenced as the day of atonement. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now, we know that this verse has been used and taken out of context. That every time the church doors are open, you should be there. I'm going to show you a verse. Really? You have taken that out of context. If people knew why they're supposed to go to church, they would go. 
But they don't know. They don't have really an explanation. That's justifiable in the Scriptures that we need to go to church. I believe in the local church, amen? I really do. I just believe in it. It's, it's an accountability group. Colossians 2.16 in the New Testament, let's read it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Don't let nobody judge you. Are people judging you because you're doing these things in the Hebrews of the Christian faith? And in Colossians, he's just telling them, don't let them judge you. Don't take it personal. Don't let them judge you. Why? It's just what? It's a shadow. But you still have to do these things. He was telling the Colossians about these things. Let's look at Pastor Nick's personal testimony on the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, Pastor Nick, he's just not right. Now listen, here's the thing. God's no respecter of persons. But how many of you know that when you get a revelation and an experience, your life is changed? That's why, that's why you overcome the enemy, because of your testimony. So when people give a testimony of something, you have to believe them. Unless there's other evidence. I'm just saying that if you give me a testimony of some off-the-wall crazy stuff, I can't look at you and say, Paul, woohoo! I don't know about that, man. That's cuckoo. I have to look at Paul and say, wow, he experienced this. He's sharing this with me. I can't deny him that. This is what we need. Some of you need a new testimony. Come on, somebody. I don't want to hear about what happened to you five years ago. I'm telling you this for your own good. That's old man. It's got mold and maggots. I want some new glory. I want new glory. Conferences were great. Ten years of the conference. Wonderful. I remember the conference. Maggots. Mold. And I ask them, where's the new glory? What do you have besides that? What are you doing? Don't you want to experience new glory, new manna? I do. I want new manna. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But I am as a present God. Did you know that? Tell them I am sent you. Not, hey, I'm a day late and a dollar short sent you. No, he's a present God right now and here, everybody. God has built this house, and he's going to finish building it. It doesn't matter what you do or what you think or your little attitude or where you go throughout life. He's going to build this house. He's rocking this house. This is his house. I'm watching it grow. I'm watching things happen right in front of me. This year was like pruning and purging. Praise God. That's what the father wants. He gets out the pruning. I got to produce fruit. I got to produce fruit. No, you need to be pruned. You need to be clipped. It's okay. You get more fruit when that happens. I want you to, I can't make this stuff up. I'm going to share my testimony with you. And they're going to say, okay, maybe he's all right. But you just can't make this stuff up. You can't just make up an experience and, and try an experience. I'm going to make an experience. You can't do it. God creates the experience. That's what's so beautiful about it. You had nothing to do with it. You just participated. Because with the revelation comes the right action. So Danielle and I were betrothed during the Feast of Tabernacles on the fourth day of Sukkot, or Tabernacles, in Jerusalem on October 19, 1997. How many of you know that's not an accident? That's called a divine appointment. October 19th, 1997. Here's a picture of the hotel. I got to go back to it in 2005. That's when we, of course, celebrated Passover in the land of Israel. 
I got to go to this hotel and pay another visit. Peggy Rendell and I uh, went for a walk. She actually asked, asked me, so, so what are you doing today? I said, I'm going to go to the hotel where Danielle and I got, got betrothed. She goes, can I go? So we walked to it. Had a little buddy, a little partner, right? And I shared the story with her and everything. Changed my life, amen? Next picture, I'm out front. This is, this is where I got betrothed or my courtship began with Danielle, amen? I mean, that's a big deal. It's my testimony. It's a big deal to me. It wasn't in Miami. It wasn't on Halloween. It was in Jerusalem during tabernacles. God was giving me a message. Because what happened to me is going to be a reflection of you. So what I get, you get. He wants you to understand this because... Matriarchs and patriarchs, people throughout the Bible, experience things so they could give that experience and that message to others. That tabernacles is a special place, a special time. Amen? So think about this. So Danielle and I were married on July 24th, 1999, just two days after the 9th of Av. Tishbiav. July 24th, 1999. Now, I'm reflecting on all this because the Lord gave it to me. This is going to blow your mind. Pow! It blew my mind. I could never make this up. I, could even, I didn't even think about this. this, this next slide. I want you to think about this with me. Look at this. Josiah, our firstborn son, was born just before the Feast of Trumpets on September the 28th, 2000, and Trumpets was on September the 30th. So at that window, do you see that? I mean, right before the trumpet, here comes Josiah. Think about it. Just before trumpets. So I'm looking at this, and then I, what about Nehemiah? So Nehemiah, our second son, was conceived during the Feast of Tabernacles in 2001 and was born on June 28, 2002. Sukkot began on September 21, 2001. Amen. How many of you can't make this stuff up? So now right at the window of opportunity of trumpets, Here's Josiah during, okay, during that time we move forward to Nehemiah. And then there's a conception during Tabernacles of the second son. I, I can't make this up. But look at Micah. Look at Micah. No wonder he's a mini-me. No, really. Micah, our third son, was born on the second day of Tabernacles on October 1st, 2004. Come on, somebody. You can't make this up. Do you see like the progressive revelation of children? Bam, here comes Micah. With this big old smile. How you like me now? So incredible things are, are happening. And, and, and if I could even just tie it in, because this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do for all of you. I'm telling you, what he's done for me, he'll do for you. He's going to reveal things that are so awesome that it's going to change your life. It's going to build up your spirit. It's going to build up your life to know that I've made it this far because this is where he has me. And this is what he has for me. So think about my wife and I getting married, and then, of course, ha us having kids. And, and the interesting thing was, you know, back in what? I guess it was 2010, Danielle and I go, and a day is in the womb. Day is in her womb, and we go to Israel, and we got a free ticket for her. She was looking out the belly button, checking out the land. So I have, I have a day, and, and that was a progressive revelation. Why? Because last year... I got to take Josiah and Nehemiah to the land. What a breakthrough. From the time of being betrothed, a courtship at Tabernacles in Jerusalem, to now I brought my two sons into the land. 
and Micah's going Tuesday. It's called a progressive revelation, see? And, it's, and it connects us to everything. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So just cool stuff. So I was so excited when Danielle and I bought our house because it gave us the opportunity to build a sukkah in the backyard. Before buying our house in 2006, we were living in an apartment in Tampa, okay? So I was so excited that I finally get to build this sukkah. So I said, I'm going to build I'm going to build something solid and good, right? I was so excited. This is going to be a little above temporary, you know? So this thing's like 16 by 8. I think that's 16 by 8. Another picture. And there's the three boys, the three amigos. Josiah, Nehemiah, and Micah. Look at the lattice, you know. It was funny, the guy that used to do my lawn, you know, he'd ask me, uh, what is that? I had to share. And he responded with, that's interesting. <laughs> All right, there's the three boys in the front. Praise God, they've come a long ways, haven't they? They just grow up so fast in front of you. So the cool thing is this, you know, experiencing tabernacles for, you know, like I said, over 20 years. How many, how many of the sukkahs come in different styles and sizes? Okay. Sukkahs come in different styles and sizes. I'm going to share some of these with you. I love this one. Let's look at this first one. How about the balcony sukkah? Please don't put a back door on your balcony sukkah. That last step is a doozy. How many of you know that's die-hard sukkah building? I mean I, I mean, I don't even know how they pulled that off. That's a balcony sukkah. How about this one? Some of you can't really afford a sukkah. You might say, hey, you know, we're kind of poor this feast cycle. This is corrugated board, a few pallets, and you can see, oh, of course, even palm branches on top, I, I guess. That's good to go, amen? You got to do what you got to do, amen? My wife is telling us that if we go camping this year that we're going to have to get another tent or a camper or something. So I'm actually looking at the price range of this thing. Um, cost efficiency. How about this next one? There's a thing called the rampart around the old city, and you can walk above the city of Jerusalem around the walls of Jerusalem. And this is, the, of course, the rampart, and this was a picture I took uh, of a sukkah down below. Pretty cool, huh? I'll never forget the first time I went to Israel during Tabernacles in 1996. Just the, the amount of sukkahs that I saw and just how big they were. I mean, they had sukkahs as big as this room. Hotels would build them. I mean, it was incredible. Really, just the interest in, in something like that. Here's, here's Ted and I on the Temple Mount. In 2010, once again, Danielle went with me, and she was pregnant with a day, I think, two months pregnant. But there's Ted and I, 2010, for, for the Feast of Tabernacles. Pretty cool, isn't it? Now, for some of you that like to decorate sukkahs, uh, there are extremes. Um, but like I said, um, that is a decorated sukkah. That is a truckload of decorations, amen. And that's what's fun. That's what we're going to do on Monday at 5 o'clock, amen. Anybody can come and decorate the sukkah. Fun experience, especially for the kids. 
What I love about the Jewish people in the feast days, there's always an action required in the day. It's always a memory. Oh, remember when we gave up bread for seven days? There's always this memory, you know. And, and, and so building a sukkah is a memory, amen? Sitting at the Sabbath table every Friday night will be a memory for your children. And, and that's really all I can do for my children is to, of course, uh, encourage them in the Hebrews of the Christian faith as a lifestyle. And hopefully uh, when they grow old, they won't depart, you know. And like I said, it's going to be their choice. But they have all these memories of, of the feast days and Sabbath that I instilled in them. But as, as, a, as an adult, it's going to be their responsibility. I love this, to dwell in booths, Hosea 12, 9. How many of you that Sukkot and Tabernacles was lost to us? 30 years ago, I wasn't doing this. Were your parents doing this? Were your grandparents doing this? We, we say, no, 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 this wasn't even around. Hosea 12, 9, let's read it. And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast. He said you would celebrate tabernacles again. The book of Hosea gives three charges. Remember this. The book of Hosea gives three charges. The first charge is the Lord saying, you have done all these things. You've done wrong. You've prostituted yourself. All these other things. He says, I'm going I'm to I'm put you into captivity. So that was the judgment, which was number two. He judged them, scattered them, brought them out of the land. Amen? But the third thing is this. It goes on to say in Hosea, but once more you shall be my people. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and loyalty and faithfulness. Amen. I will do these things. That's why we're here, everybody. The Bible predicted that this would happen. It's in the Word of God. You don't have to just guess at it. Well, I got this gut feeling. That's great. Okay, that's Taco Bell. But what I'm saying is that you can look for it in the Word. Everything we do here is in the Word by the Spirit. The Spirit makes it fun. The Word makes it obedient. That's all I'm saying. There's hundreds of verses in here of why we're doing what we're doing. I can prove it to you. Why would Paul say and Peter say, once you were not a people, but now you're a people? Where'd they get that from? The book of Hosea. We quote the book, but we don't want to be the people. Here's another booth. Amen. We had a situation a number of years ago when we were first starting out on this property. I kid you not, once again, a bait to heal a testimony. There are witnesses that are even in this congregation right now that would testify. Can I get a witness? Come on. We were trying to go into the modular, and we were trying to be kosher and make sure we followed all the rules, and we would get a seal, a stamp of approval and, and everything, and we just didn't pass the test. We had to have an electric test and plumbing and some other things happened. And so, man, I'm like, we're in a dilemma. We cannot publicly meet in the modular. Lord, help me. And, and so I said, well, let's put a tent up. So we, we put a tent up and we met in the tent. How many of you remember that? Now, I'm only sharing this because once we put the tent up and everything, and I started studying tabernacles and the book of Hosea, the Lord's like, I told you you'd build a sukkah again. I told you you'd be in a tent again. I said, oy vey, Lord, you have a way of making it happen. He made us meet in a tent. That's what he does, everybody. See, that's what's coming up at the end of this year and this next year. God is creating circumstances to get to you. And it's going to be a hard job for me to try to relay that to you, that this is of God. He's just reshuffling the deck, and he's trying to help you out. But he wants to, he wants to really bring you to a really cool place, but you've got to go through something. And some of you just don't like that. Amen? 
This is just good stuff. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is also called the season of our joy because it follows the season of repentance, the season of our joy. Let's look at Leviticus 23, 40. This is, of course, in reference to the lulav. And you shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Did you know that that is a commandment to rejoice? Right? It's dealing with the lulav. How many know? Let's look at the picture of the lulav. Are you familiar with the lulav? Because of the, this verse in Leviticus 23 40, the lulav is a picture of Leviticus 23 40. Do you see the citron or the fruit and you see the branches? This is where you get the lulav. And why would they wave the lulav? Why would they collect that together? Because they took that verse and they made a lulav. How many of you say what I'm saying? They took Leviticus 23.40 and they created the lulav, which is everything in that verse, and then you wave it because you want the Lord to bless you with what? Rain, crops, harvest. We want a harvest of Israelites, amen? That's my prayer. Lord, bring me some Israelites. Bring me some Israelites, Lord. Bring me some people that are truly grafted in, that have Torah written on their minds and their hearts. Don't bring me the frauds and the imposters. Bring me Israelites, Lord. Because speak to the children of Israel is what the Scriptures are saying. Speak to the children of Israel. Speak to the children of Israel. So when he speaks, then there's a right action, and that's what's happening in the earth today. Amen? Now, the Feast of Tabernacles will be celebrated in the future. There's the past. There's the present. Come on, somebody, how about the future? You've got the faith to believe that we're going to do this when Yeshua comes back. Amen? I share this with my pastor friends. I share this with Christians all the time. Amen? I really, really do. I share this all the time. Because your faith meter has to go up. People would say, why are you doing this? Because, because of my faith. Because I get to do it now, and we're going to be doing it tomorrow, whether you like it or not whether you get it or not. It's nothing against ignorance. Look at Zechariah 14, verses 16 through 19. Let's look at this. Oh, tabernacles is going to be celebrated in the future. Absolutely. Look at this. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. I didn't write this. So my personal testimony, my experience, and then I read that, I'm like, oy vey, I'm living the dream, baby. I'm living the dream. I mean, for me to go to Israel two years in a row is incredible. Thank you, Yahweh. How many of you know I just can't go anywhere I want to go? He tells me where to go. He tells me what to do. He has my calendar. I'm the senior pastor. I'm going. God's like, no, you're not. Sit down. Amen. Pastor Tikva, she brags, I've been to the land 1,800 times. Yeah, because I let her go. But I knew the Lord. She was the hostess with the mostess. You know what I'm saying? So she's like, I'm going to the land. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. And what am I doing? I'm back in the sheep pen, cleaning up sheep poop. She's in the land eating falafel and dancing. But I'm like, you know, Lord, this is what you want. I can't go to the land. i got to stay here and be a pastor and raise up the sheep and get this thing going. So I, I understood that. I respected that. Amen? You can't just go to go. God makes a way for you to go. 
A lot of you didn't get to go this time. That's fine, but God's going to get you there. He's going to do this thing, man. But have that desire. Let's just keep reading Zechariah, because look what it says here. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Stop right there. Listen to this. That simply says he's going to pull back and withhold the blessing. So when Florida has rain, whether it's a mikvah for half the state or we get rain, you better thank God. Amen. I woke up this morning and it was sprinkling. It was coming. I said, ah, I love it. I didn't go, ah, oh, it's raining. No, praise God it's raining. That means we got God's blessing. There's no drought in Florida. We don't have a drought. If it stops raining, you better be praying. This is good stuff. Oh, you don't want to come up? I'm going to withhold the blessing. See, when you're disobedient, God takes the blessing from your life. Some of you are dealing with that right now. You wonder, well, how come I'm not blessed? Because you're not obedient. You start with one obedience at a time, one act at a time. He shows you how to be obedient. And then when you mess up, you just say, Lord, I messed up. I wasn't as obedient as I could have been. I dropped the ball. Please forgive me. Boom. Clean slate. Start over. Boom. Come on. We all know when we fall short. We all know. My kids know. I know. My wife knows. We all know. We just fix it. We tweak it. We make it better. We admit to our mistakes. We admit it. I dropped the ball. I messed up. i got to ask for forgiveness for my children. I'm not above them. Think about it. Let's finish it up here. Look at this. Look at this. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This is during the thousand-year reign of Christ, everybody. There's going to be people being born. There's going to be this earth before he makes a new heaven and new earth. Amen? Jesus is going to come back with a rod of iron. He's going to rule and reign over this thing, right? But you're going to have choices to make and everything. If those nations don't go up, they're going to suffer the price. Pay the price. This is good stuff. The heathen. I don't like that word. The heathens. So what happens to us if we know to keep the feast and we don't come together? You're acting like a heathen. I could do this at home. No, he doesn't want you to do it at home. He wants you to do it in here. I can do this at home. Yeah, we can all do it at home. He wants us together to do it here. So the Feast of Tabernacles is also called the Feast of Ingathering. Yes. Amen. Feast of Tabernacles is also called the Feast of Ingathering. Man, this is good stuff. Exodus 23, 16. Read it together. And the Feast of Harvest, the firstfruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. This particular reference in Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17, is actually a reference to the three national feast days. We're going to talk about that in closing here. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. The three national feasts out of the eight are, are actually telling you the plan of God. Amen? And see what I'm seeing, and I'm not just calling this out. I'm not making this up. I'm not a control freak. I'm telling you there's apostasy happening throughout the earth. People are falling away from the faith. People, there's apostasy at Beit Tehillah. 
It, it's not good, folks. There's people falling away from the faith in this place, in this place. It's evident in your absence and, and not having your priorities straight and even relaying that to your children, you know. Some of you just, just treat these spiritual lives like it's, it's, it's an option. It's no big deal. And your kids see that. So that's why they reflect that from you because you don't take it seriously. And then when you get in the car and you're driving and you're talking and you bash the leadership or the pastor, kids hear that and you wonder why they leave the church because you created the beast. And I heard a testimony of this. Somebody was sharing this with me, that they had a hard time getting back in the church because their parents were bashing the pastor, talking about him. Kids picked up on it and said, well, he must be a bad man, a bad place. We don't need to go to church ever again. Devil wins. I'm trying to give you some advice because we don't want to talk about ministers or ministries in here or bash people or hurt people or, or come against the church. We don't need to. Let's preach and teach what we know is good, and let's get excited about that. Because it's easy to have the evil inclination. It's easy to go rogue and go negative. It's so easy. But God doesn't want that. He wants us to be holy. Notice this feast of the harvest, uh, the feast of ingathering, right? Which is in the what? End of the year. Now notice that's in Exodus. Why does he say it's in the end of the year? Because really the beginning of the year really is in the fall. But for redemption's sake, the biblical new year was what? When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, right? And when Jesus died on the cross, we had a biblical new year from there. How many of you say what I'm saying? But in this reference, he's actually saying the year's going to end, and then you're going to have what? A beginning. It's right there. Look at Leviticus 23, 39. Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. So the first day of, or the first day of, of tabernacles, Sunday night to Monday night, is the first day of what? Of tabernacles. No work or whatever. But then you've got to go all the way to the eighth day, which would be Sunday night to Monday night, would actually be the eighth day. No work. So it's not on the first and seventh day, it's on the first day of unleavened bread and on the eighth day that there's no work. So we have to understand why this is in here. What's the big deal? What's going on here? God knows what he's doing. We just be obedient. So the three national feast days, once again, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, okay? Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17, Deuteronomy 16, 16. And the reason why I'm sharing this and, and why I'm so you know, adamant about this and I don't have time to get into in full detail, but how many of you know that two-thirds of these three national feast days have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled? Raise your hand. Okay? Why? Well, Passover, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. In hindsight, we know that. Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. How many of you know that he did that? And people are being born again every day, confessing his name and believing in their heart. And that God raises from the dead, they shall be saved. Amen? We know that's happening. That's two-thirds, if you count Pentecost, the giving of the Torah, right? And the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So two-thirds of God's redemptive plan has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. So I want to submit something to you. You've only got one-third left. And it's so funny because I know we're that generation. Because people are falling away when they should be gathering. 
The church is in a demise. It's in a free fall. The church is not growing, people. They have proven this. Proven this. Numbers don't lie. Three famous words. Numbers don't lie. But we want to puff it up and do all these things. I have hope. I believe in the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. But don't go telling me that the church is expanding and making great progress. Are you kidding me? In these Middle East countries, there's not even Christians in these countries anymore. Don't tell me the church is growing. No, the church looks like the world. We're not going to be like that. If you like to read your Bible, you like the Bible, you like to pray and worship, come here, baby, because it's just now getting good. Because that's all we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do. Fall in love with the Bible again. We need Bible revival. Charisma Magazine had an article about Bible illiterate. Well, what, illiteracy? Illiterate to the Bible. And all the technology that we have, we're just illiterate. And people say, Pastor, how can you share all this? How do you know all this stuff? I've been doing it for 20 years. I should know something, right? I'd rather know all this than the stuff I used to know. That wasn't working out for me. That was not working out for me. So you fall forward. That's all I do is I fall forward. And he picks me up. I'm telling you, we're on borrowed time. I'm not here. I'm not a date setter. I'm not a doomsday prepper, okay? I'm just telling you that something's going down pretty soon here. Something's going down in my spirit. I feel it and I know it. If we'll just hang in there, if we'll just hang in there, you'll see it. There were two people that went to the temple every day looking for the Messiah. He didn't come. Looking for the Messiah. He didn't come. They were there. Remember the two people? Who were they? Hannah and Simeon. So one day they're at the temple. Out of this habit, out of this obedience, bam! There he is. And all those rehearsals paid off. All that time that you went to the temple and you fasted, you did the things that you did, it paid off. Because you finished strong. You finished the race. You held your head up. You look up. Redemption draweth not. He didn't say look down and look for quarters. He said look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. I'm telling you people, if you think your life is hard, if you think, Pastor, you just don't understand, maybe that's true, but I'm telling you, I've never had it so hard spiritually in my life. I'm talking, listen to me, I'm talking, I'm having knock-down drag-outs in the spiritual realm. I mean, it feels almost like a physical fight in my life to keep my head above water and paddle like crazy. Amen? It's like that duck, you know. He's smiling, you know, but underneath he's paddling really hard. You know what I'm saying? That's me. Because we're in warfare. There's war on your soul. And it says to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and all of your... I can't do that. Your soul is beat up, mind, will, and emotion have been hijacked by the enemy. So you can't love the Lord with all of your soul. So you just try to love him from your heart, but you know that what? Out of the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks, and your heart's wicked too. So you're not doing real good on the love factor. Can I just share my heart about this? Why, why, I, I need to be transparent. If you think this is going to be easy, it's not, folks. It's not easy. No, this is not going to be just given to you. There's no silver spoons. There's no silver spoons. Think about it. 
Look at Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39. Just a few more scriptures. Look at this in the New Testament. Look at Yeshua right before he's crucified. Look at what he says. He could sit right up here on, on live TV, internet, streaming, right? He could be saying this to those watching. He could say it to those that aren't here. Look what he says here. Let's read it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. A city is likened unto a people. A people are likened unto a city. People mean everything to me. I love people. I love groups of people. I'm a peepee. I'm a people person. I do. I love people. I really do. I would never make it as a single man. Amen? And this is right before the crucifixion. So I don't have vain imaginations why somebody's here, why somebody's not here. But I will tell you this. When you fall away, I grieve. I grieve. I, I literally, I don't judge you. I don't think any less of you. I literally weep and cry and grieve because you were so close to something great and you gave it up. It's like the woman that tried to swim the English Channel just practice and practice. Just, you know, it failed a number of times. And, and, and this fog came in and she's swimming. This fog came in and they're swimming and swimming. And, and I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And so they, they get her and, and, and put her in the boat. She was less than 100 yards from shore. Gave up. It's a picture of us. You, you're going to give up. No, don't give up. Don't give up. Did you know what the, the Hebrew mindset or the Jewish mindset is for failure? Stop trying. That's failure. I'm just going to stop trying. Why? Why? How badly do you want to be the bride? How badly do you want the inheritance? How badly do you want to live in the land forever with Jesus? How badly do you want it? Prove it. And I'm just going to be honest with you. In the days ahead... It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what goes down. It doesn't matter who gets selected into the office. I'm telling you this from my heart. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many kids I have or, or my marriage or, or all the difficulties, challenges. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. The Lord's going to say, are you preparing yourself for my return? He's not going to care about, well, my marriage is really strained. And he's going to say, are you preparing yourself? You don't understand, Lord, this congregation and these people, wow, it's, it's tough. Are you preparing yourself? Lord, you know, financially, Daniel, we're struggling, and this and that. Are you preparing yourself? Lord, there's, there's, there's no wheat buckets, and the black helicopters are flying around my house. Are you preparing yourself? That's all it is, folks. There's, there's, no, there, there's no clause to get out. There's, there's no getting out of this. Some of you wonder, Pastor Nick, am, am I really where I'm supposed to be? Am I really supposed to be here at this place at this time in my life? Am I supposed to be where I'm at? I, I'll tell you. Can you go back? I can't go back. I know I'm supposed to be right here. 
at this time, at this hour, preaching this, teaching this, and right here at this spot, at this little music stand, because I, 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 don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I, I can't go back. I can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. There's nothing to go back to. Look at Matthew 24, 31. This is the New Testament. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Amen? There's a lot of debate over the rapture. I believe we'll be caught up. I believe I'm going to be with the Lord. But what's the timing of it? Do you understand what I'm saying? And, I'm, and, and you read in the book of Daniel, and it says, you know, he's going to prevail against the saints and all oh, the wearing down of the saints. But how could that happen if they're supposed to be raptured? Does it make sense? Does it? Wait, he's referencing saints. Oh, those are the tribulation saints. Really? Really? Are you so sure about that? That this Antichrist would prevail over the saints? There's the wearing down of the saints? And then, and then he says right here, look, look. And they shall gather together his elect. In the Greek, that's the believers, Jews and non-Jews. That word elect doesn't mean the Jews. Go back and study your Greek. Like there's different raptures, different catchings away. Well, if you look at the first bus, there's a second one and a third one. Really? That didn't happen to me when I was in school. Oh, there's going to be another one. No, there's not. Better start walking back to the house and tell your parents. <laughs> or hide in the bushes before they go to work. I'm not telling on myself. All right, last verse. Last, look at this, look at this. I love this. Let's read it together. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. I believe this. I believe, you know, some of us, we're not going to see death. I figured if I just keep having kids, God's going to let me stay alive. Right? I got to take care of him. So excited. I got a 16 year old, amen. He, I mean, he, he's mature enough. He, he can already be married and move out of the house. But I got this almost a one year old now. I'm like, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> can't take me. <laughs> I got a little baby girl to take care of, you know what I'm saying? I try to explain this to my wife, but I'm not the one giving birth to them. Amen. All right? That's all I can say. I mean, here, here's my, my wife. You know, she's got. You know, a younger sister, Dina, and I got a younger brother, you know, that's, it's, you know, younger. That, that's all we knew. And, and people are like, Pastor Nick, how do you and Danielle do it? I'm going to just be honest with you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. It's not my problem. God, God you know, I'm just, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a caregiver while they're here on this. I'm going to give them the best provision, protect, everything I can, but we don't have it figured out. There's no way we could sit down with you and say, oh, let's go over how to do this, okay? That's a lot of crying and praying, <laughs> right? I mean, I lay in bed sometimes, and I'm like, I'll never forget. One time, the spirit of fear just came over, and I was like, you know, there's a lot of people in this house. This house is filled with people. I mean, bodies everywhere in these rooms, like four in a room and three in a room, and I lost my room. I'm like, what is up with this? But God is good. They say, how can you afford all these children? I would say this to you. We can't afford not to have children. And, and you know the thought crossed my mind too when, when I just started thinking about the Holocaust? And I would tell this, I would tell this to the Orthodox Jews. 
I would tell this to the Lipkin family. I would tell this to any Jewish family. You lost family. Judah took a hit in the Holocaust. They took a hit in those gas chambers and, and beauty for ashes. If we, if we see, just hear me out on this because this is the thing. This is what I want to tell the Jewish people. I tell all my children about the Holocaust. And all my children should love the Jewish people because of what they've been through. And they're the big brother. They have the scepter. We are mature enough and responsible to love them where they're at. So bring on the children. So all the children that they lost. Remember, it says in, it says in Isaiah, the one that's divorced, the one that was forsaken, will have more than the one that was married. It's a picture of us people. We get the best of both worlds. We're a church agog. So hopefully this last slide, this is what we're going to have Monday night. So, Father, you are awesome. Thank you for stirring our hearts and letting us care about the things that you care about, Father. You care about the feast days. You care about these appointments. And we are meeting with you, Father. We are meeting with you. We are expecting great things from you, Father, for your provision, for your protection, because you are our healer. We come against the spirit of infirmity. We pray for traveling mercies. Give us the desires of our heart, Father. Let us, let us just move into Sukkot, Father, with a fresh anointing, with a fresh purpose, and with a smile and great joy unspeakable, and peace and shalom. May we enjoy one another's company. May we look at each other's eyes and see your son, Yeshua. May we see a sweet spirit within us, Father, that's at peace in the time in which we live. And so, Father, I ask you once again just to go forth in a mighty way, for you are a God, a God of signs and wonders and miracles. You are awesome, indwelling, inbreaking God, Father. Let people leave here changed. Father, let people leave here with a revelation, and then there's going to be a revolution. Forgive us for stinking thinking. Forgive us for not encouraging one another and lifting each other up, Father. Forgive us of our sins, those that are known and unknown, Father, for you are a holy God and you are just and true to forgive us of our sins and never to bring them to mind because Jesus doesn't cover our sins. He takes them away. So when the enemy, Father, reminds us of our past, we will tell him of his future in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, everyone. 